the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to the Weekly Manchester United Show. I'm your host as always, Phil Byrne, joined with my now director, co host, fantastic comic fighting from Football CFB. So much to talk about today. Of course, we're the day after the fantastic win against Liverpool 3 2 to knock Liverpool out of the FA Cup. There's very few things as a United fan that's more pleasing than beating Liverpool. And uh, yesterday was one of those days where I was just so happy after that game. For many, many different reasons, Calum. Obviously, the result itself, of course, but for other reasons, uh, for the fact that I saw United win a game that a few months ago I didn't, they, they wouldn't have won that game. And psychologically, what that will do for the players to convince themselves that they're for real, to be beating big teams, to be, especially cliffhanger games like that, where they trust themselves, the home form is improving. Bruno Fernandes comes on, scores an absolutely sensational goal, plus two academy players, Rashford, Greenwood, so much to be happy about. So much to be happy about, indeed. And you, you, you're spot on when when you talk about United in previous years. That that being a game they probably wouldn't have won. What impressed me most was the fact that United went behind to the Salah goal yep. and came back with a lovely finish from from Greenwood, as you've talked about, and fair play to Rashford for the ball. But what made me uh, really pleased was the fact that Liverpool equalised to make it two two and. Normally, knowing United of, of the last couple of seasons, as, as you've alluded to, you would expect Liverpool to put the pressure on and United to potentially fold as the pressure was to heat up towards the end of the game. That wasn't the, the, the case yesterday. And, and you talk about Fernandes. I thought what Ollie said after the game just, just summed up how, how proud we all are of United and the job that he's doing. Um, the fact that he explained to him, look, you've played a lot of games recently. I'm going to put you in the bench in this one. And a lot of people would say, how's he going to react to that? Is he going to sulk? Is he going to be unhappy? Well, all he said, he stayed in the training pitch mm-hmm. for an extra 45 minutes practicing three, three kicks and the end product was, was absolutely sensational. So I think it's, it's safe to say, and I know there's been reports in The Athletic over here in the UK this morning, that a lot of people who doubted Solskjaer and a lot of people who um, were sort of throwing a lot of flack at him are now being silenced and, and, and a lot of the players are now letting journalists uh, such as The Athletic over here in the UK be known that he's created an incredible atmosphere at the club, that the professionalism is back to its best. And for me, that's the sort of report you want to hear coming from the club and it's utterly refreshing. Look, there's no question, as a United fan, we look at things from a blinker perspective. Um, but there is also absolutely no doubt what Solskjaer took after the Arsenal game Right, uh, from remember Tim Cahill, and of course lots of people in football, football writers, they just eviscerated him, and there so many of them. I speak to journalists, right, um, via text and what have you privately, and I'm not going to I'm not going to name them, but still there's a lot of them are locked into the view that Solskjaer's out of his depth and all this will come apart. When you look at what Solskjaer's done, it's not just been the last, not just been since Arsenal. You two, you go back over the course of a year since Bruno Fernandes signed. That form and consistency since Fernandes signed has been one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. It's not an accident. And for some reason, the table never lies until United are top of the league, then it does lie. 
You know, and, 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 oh, this is a false position. Have you ever heard such nonsense in all your life? You're ha- we're halfway through a season. Halfway through a season, and you're telling me that they have lies? Oh, COVID. Listen, everybody's had the same variables to deal with. Everybody, Manchester United, had to deal with the same issues. So don't tell me that, oh, because of other teams suffering because of COVID and everything else. Why, have United not had the problem? Were United immune from it? Absolute nonsense. You know, Virgil van Dijk got injured. How many times has United and Solskjaer had an, a, a litany of injuries and it was never he never even mentioned it? So I don't want to hear it. I, listen, I've said this before for Solskjaer. He's on trial every week. If he loses, it is used as evidence that he's out of his depth. If he wins, it means nothing. And we know there's a certain snobbery around him where people just don't want to give him that respect because he hasn't gone through the proper coaching. You know, he hasn't worked one of these great coaches, all this. It's sort of an unconventional way to get the job through Maldi to Manchester United. But the reality is the people that write about football know nothing about what it takes to be successful in football. They've never managed a football club in their lives. All they can really evaluate is results and tell you what that indicates. But what Solskjaer has done, beyond the results, Callum, we're talking about the rebirth of footballers that honestly, and I've talked about this on the show before, the likes of Luke Shaw, that is me, for my money, the best left back in the league by far at the moment. You know, I mean, what we're seeing from Luke Shaw at the moment is... Something I never thought he was capable of. It's just consistency. It's excellence. You don't get that in life without doing everything right. Luke Shaw, the the former Fernandez, you know, Cavani, so many of these players that are playing at the peak of their game. Schultzko deserves and his coaching staff immense credit for that. He absolutely does, and, and you referenced Luke Shaw there, and and I've got to be honest with you, everyone knows in the show, judging by my accent, I'm from Scotland, and we've got, uh, it's very rare for me to say this, uh, we've got two of the best left-backs in world football, and Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney, and at the start of the season, if you were to have mentioned Luke Shaw in the same sentence as those two, being the, the proud Scotland I am, I would have said, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't swap Shaw for either mm-hmm. of those two, I think they're, they're two elite full-backs who are, are, are progressing and showcasing their talent in the Premier League, but you're spot on, Phil, his improvement has been incredible. Um, he looks sharper. He looks as if he's got that direct nature to his playback, which he had under Van Hal before the injury, which some people obviously forget. It was a terrible injury he had. And of course, um, when you have an injury like that, you come back and then you get your next manager in Mourinho, who's not 100% in your camp. It must be hard mentally. People forget that he's a a guy in his young 20s, it must have been hard to take for him. The jibe's about his weight. Mm-hmm. Mentally, just because you earn £100,000 a week or, or £20,000 a week, whatever it may be, it doesn't mean you're immune to, to that sort of stuff getting to you and hurting you personally. So I'm absolutely delighted that he's playing well. He looks sharp. And for me, as you say, he is up there with the best left-backs in the league at the moment, which, if you asked me a year ago, would I have... Um, backed him to do that probably not if I, if I said I would I'd be a hypocrite so I probably wouldn't have and the credit as you say goes to Solskjaer and the staff because to, to bring players on that you've already got at the football club is the job of the coaching staff I get fed up in modern football when I hear managers and, and, and I'm not going to name names with them or oh, we need to go out and buy another two fullbacks. you can only do that so many times your main job the way mm-hmm. I see it is is to manage the first team and get results, yes. But number two, improve the players you have at your disposal because as great as United's budget 
is and the fact that many managers in the league, Sean Dyche, etc., would be delighted to have it. You've still got to be able to improve what you've got because if you can, we've seen it with Greenwood, we're now seeing it with Shaw, you can save the club a lot of money in the long run by improving the players you've got at your disposal and not having to go out into that market and, and come across as desperate and get your pants pulled down that we've seen so many times before. So full credit to the staff and full credit to Ollie for his development and the player himself. Typically what we would have seen in the past is Luke Shaw leave and then find this form somewhere else. Right? And then you'd have looked at it and said, why didn't we see that player at Manchester United? What that tells you is a couple of things. First of all, what's going on behind the scenes Right, is you've got a lot of happy players there. You've got a lot of people that are really happy playing for United, that are capable of giving their best. Because think about what Mourinho did to Luke Shaw mentally. Right? I think it was a disgrace, to tell you the truth. Whenever Luke Shaw had won a good game, Mourinho said it was because he played with Mourinho's brain. I mean... Just like you said, the mental health aspect of that, the mental, that is a disgrace to me. You talk about my management of players. And that it doesn't matter whether you're managing a football club or an office or whatever. To get people to want to work for you, you have to endear yourself to them, but also hold them to high standards. But Solskjaer's not the type of the rant and raven or expose you publicly. I think that Luke Shaw has responded to that approach properly and said and found a way to be mentally present, mentally happy that has allowed him to bring a consistency and form to his game that honestly I, I, I've been open about this. I never thought we'd see this from him. I, I, I thought I, I put a tweet out last year where I said I think we've seen the best Luke Shaw we've seen the worst of him and the best of him isn't good enough United. Right? Delighted to hold my hands up. I got it wrong again. <laughs> um, to say that I couldn't be happier to see the Luke Shaw that we see today. Uh, his form has been excellent. Really looking forward to having him on a podcast on Friday. Um, his form has been excellent. And, you know, it's great to see Solskjaer find solutions within the club. I'm sure Alex Tellers has helped with that a bit, where he's pushed Luke Shaw on, where, you know, it's just human nature to respond to challenges, to, you know, someone wanting to take your spot. And and in my money, I... I I went from wanting Luke Shaw out to going, who would I swap him for in the league? His, his form has just been incredible. And it, it, I thought he was playing well the year Depay was there at United, before he broke his leg. And that was probably the best Luke Shaw I'd seen at United. Now the Luke Shaw that we see is the player that we had hoped he was going to develop into. And he is a crucial part of United's success this season. And um, honestly... Tom, it's incredibly, incredibly pleasing. Moving on from that, um, some other performances. Danny van der Beek has taken some criticism from United supporters, but what I would say is it's very, very difficult when you don't play to then be put into the team and then find rhythm and find form and find, you know, to, to come in and play exceptionally well. I think it's very difficult to do that. I don't think any judgment should be made about van der Beek from, from, from the game uh, at the weekend. I still think he's a he's a top football player, and I think once he gets games consistently, you'll see that from him. But it's very very difficult at the minute because when you look at that midfield, Pogba and Fernandez are playing just truly exceptional, and we, we'll get to Pogba Pog in a minute. So it's hard to see where he fits at the minute with that with with their form. But I wouldn't make any negative sweeping judgments about him. I agree with you. Form is. Form isn't as simple as being able to, to turn it on and off like a tap. It's not it's not PlayStation football as much as we would all, all want it to be, and you're right. Um, I think for him to show his best 
at United he would need to play five or ten games in the trot, but you've rightly pointed out, Phil, and, and the listeners don't need me to repeat it, um, that the midfield at the moment is fantastic and, and a lot of players, not just Donny van der Beek, would struggle to get into that midfield in current form. No, I completely agree. And um, I mean, part of me feels a bit sorry for him. I expected United to bring on Fernandes. And one of the things that was most pleasing, of course, is we live in this insane era where all it takes, you can play well for 30, 35 games, have one bad game, and people use that bad game to define you and say that you're not a big game player, which is utter nonsense, right? Bruno Fernandes, no, nothing endears you better than United fans than scoring against Liverpool, especially the winner. And that free kick, that is such a difficult skill to keep the ball down on the edge of the box, put into a corner. You've got such narrow targets to hit. You have to get it perfect. Allison's a top goalkeeper. Glorious free kick. And look, in the end, you know, I'm sick and tired of Liverpool using excuses about it wasn't a free kick, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. Manny could have been easily sent off. Fabinho could have been sent off. I thought it was a free kick. And comes to the back of Cavani. And look, the best team won. The best team won on the day, that's that's without question. And and what I'm also glad um, about, and, and this might seem daft, is the fact that Liverpool played the likes of Salah and Firmino and Robertson mm-hmm. uh, and Alexander-Arnold and Alisson, I could go on. Because there's, there's also a snobbery when it comes to cup competition at times. Uh, from from elements of the media, from elements of fans on social media that oh they didn't play their best team etc. United made changes as well, but both teams that went out there at the weekend were incredibly strong. And and as we've already spoken about Phil, the character that United showed to come back from going behind and then reacting to, to an equaliser being scored against them was was incredible. And what I love about Fernandez was after the game he was talking about um, coming on and making a difference and. And he talked about not wanting to be rested. And, and again, you know the way media works. There's, there's some people out there with a certain agenda maybe towards a certain club. Um, and that's fine because we're all human beings mm-hmm. who maybe say, oh, look, he's not happy, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I know a manager who manages Lord Down in England um, wouldn't claim to be at United's level. And what he said to me after that was, that's exactly what I want from all of my players. I want them to be desperate to get as many minutes as possible. And to see that with a top-level player is incredible because you know as well as I do, the media like to tell us how much these top um, top players earn, etc. But to have that hunger week in, week out, even in cup competition, as I've said, when, when teams are, are tempted to rest is incredible. So full credit to Fernandez, and, and I know we're going to come on to Pogba and I can't wait mm-hmm. to talk about him because full credit to him as well. Look, when we look at the ingredients of top teams that win trophies... It's one of the one of the traits is they never know when they're beaten. You touched on it earlier, but United's ability to concede and not panic, trust themselves to come from behind, and also if you're the team that goes ahead against Manchester United, and I'm sure managers talk about this before games, right? You 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 can't switch off against them because United trust themselves to come back in games and, and and make sure that they end up on top. That was something that we saw with the Ferguson teams. You they, can Manchester United score? They always score. That was something that a winning mentality was bred into the football club where whether you face adversity or not, whether you go behind in a game or not, that doesn't mean you, you collapse and concede. You see other teams with a lack of confidence, they fall behind and they can't get back in the game because losing becomes a habit. They don't trust themselves. They think, here we go again. Uh, they get down on themselves. Whereas United, okay, we'll fall behind. No big deal. We'll come back in the game and win. That, that, Solskjaer doesn't get enough credit 
for United coming from behind in games and winning, that is an extremely difficult skill to do. Because when, especially when Premier League teams go ahead, then they control the ball, then they sit deep, then they make it really difficult. In the past, when United conceded first, teams would sit deep against them, United couldn't break them down. Not anymore. If you sit deep against Manchester United because of the quality of the likes of Fernandes and Pogba and what have you, you need to, you need to find a way to create. It, it, this was something that wasn't present prior to Fernandes. This was a serious problem. And I used to see it all the time. I used to go, there was no Alamo anymore. There was no United coming at you. They'd fall behind and it was a predictable result because he couldn't cut you open. They couldn't create. That is something that Solskjaer has addressed. We now have a world-class attacking midfield playmaker in Bruno Fernandes. The contrast between this team and the team that we saw last January that lost to Villa, that lost to Burnley at home, is, is it, it, the, the progress is just incredible. It's so I just think that um, the attributes of this team that they have today, even after the Champions League debacle come, right? I mean, they, they never should have won out, right? But it just feels like United have eliminated those stupid mistakes from their game. Where the, the, we had a serious problem with how we started games, not anymore. And the, every time we see a problem, it gets addressed. It does, and 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 one of the things that that frustrates me greatly is when people talk about uh, Paul Pogba being a luxury player, and they talk about him being a, a sort of free spirit, etc. I think he's been incredibly disciplined recently. I think his his defensive work has been a lot better than than, than he's given credit for normally. His tackle leads to the counter-attack yep. that sees uh, Greenwood score yesterday, and that's a very important phase of play. If he doesn't do that, United could be under the course. So you, you, you're right when you talk about United being able to start well. And again, we talked about the coaching staff, we talked about the development of players. It's aspects of performance like Pogba's defensive display yesterday that have to be pointed out. Because at the end of the day, if that was something that was a glaring weakness in the opinion of many, he certainly worked incredibly hard, as have the coaching staff, to to develop that. And recently, recently he has developed it. Now, of course, the challenge for him is to do that in the long term. And fingers crossed that he can, because he's playing some fantastic football at the moment. And, And just on Greenwood as well. That kid has been through the mill at times mm-hmm. this season. The pressure that comes with being famous quite young. Understand the the obsession with someone like a Greenwood when he's homegrown, particularly in England, which is a, a massive footballing nation, of course it is. But a lot of pressure was thrust upon him and, and a lot of speculation, which wouldn't be helpful for a 30-year-old player, never mind a, a young kid. So I think he was exceptional yesterday. He took his goal incredibly well. It was a nice, cool finish. But crucially, he's getting involved in other aspects of play. He puts on a, a, an assist for Rashford as well, which has to be has to be credited because it's important not to pigeonhole Greenwood as just a goal scorer. For me, he's far more than that. He's got, he's got more to his game. He's technically very good. And he's someone who hopefully... Can, can can continue this on a more consistent basis, but of course we've got to remember how young he really is. Mm-hmm. Well, you get the ball, get the green in the second, you just talk, touched on Paul Pogba there. Again, um, we've been waiting to see this Paul Pogba at United from day one, and he looked nowhere near this player. I mean, we've seen more consistency from Paul Pogba in the last month than what we've seen in four years from him. He now has become a vital player, and if we see that Paul Pogba between now and the end of the season, you need a room with a serious chance of winning this league title. The room with a serious chance. That is unthinkable to say that. I never thought we'd be talking about that this season. Again, Solskjaer has to get credit for that. The way he's handled that whole situation, because it was a disgrace, what happened, no question about it. 
what, what was done by Mina Riola, all of that was so unnecessary. But the way he's handled it, he deserves enormous credit because people are talking about getting rid of him in January. If the, if the option get rid of him. Imagine you did get rid of him in January. You wouldn't be seeing any of what you're seeing today. And I think if he needed to go on and win a league title, there's still a possibility you could see Paul Pogba stay. It's still because, you know, United are not going to accept players in part exchange. I think one, one of the players they do like at Juventus is a Demerol kid, right? Um, there's a possibility I could be included in the deal, but uh, uh, United oh, will get the transfer of business a bit. But um, the Paul Pogba that we're seeing today is a world-class midfielder. He's influencing games. He's impacting games. He's important. He's not the game isn't passing him by. He's not giving the ball away there to a box and being caught in possession and looking languid. This is a Paul Pogba that is now someone the opposition has to be really, really concerned about. And honestly, the only thing I can fault him for is not taking that chance last week at Anfield. But I've just watched United against Liverpool twice in the last week, and I know this, but many in the media won't want to say this. But United are a better team in Liverpool. And that's been proven. United should have beat them last week at Anfield. They had the chances to do it. And they were the better team against them this weekend. They're better players, in my opinion. They're a more complete team. And um, I think that Solskjaer, to have bridged that gap... Remember how far they were behind Klopp last season? And the bridge uh, bridged that gap so quickly. He deserves so, so, so much credit for that that he won't get... But I think that what we are seeing is so, so encouraging. He's a fan. We've been through so much since Ferguson left. This is the best Manchester United since Ferguson left for so many different reasons. I know Mourinho finished second, but this is why how I want to see a Man United team play. Think about the games that United played under Mourinho, big games. They played not to lose them. That was one of the most frustrating things about Mourinho. And... Going to Anfield and putting the lab man behind the ball, all this stuff. Where Solskjaer's trying to play in a way that matches United should play with bravery, with trying to win games. Even if it looks like a defensive performance, that may not be how they were told to line up and play. Sometimes you're just under the caution good teams and you have to be disciplined. But Solskjaer clearly is putting this United team out on the front foot with players, attacking players to win games, to create and play in a way that matches United should. So for me, I think... That is just why I would say this is the best United I've seen since Ferguson and the happiest I've been watching them since then. I agree. Can I just come in there, Phil? One of the points I want to make to, to emphasise that point, and it's something we have discussed on this show, how many times in the last couple of seasons have you and I uh, discussed United's bench and thought, the first eleven's mm-hmm. good, but the bench isn't inspiring. Look mm-hmm. back to that league game against Liverpool and look at the bench. Cavani, Baye, Henderson, Twanzebe, Matic, Greenwood, Mata, Tellez and Van de Beek. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a bench full of potential game changers. And, and you think back to, as I say, the discussions we were having when there were lots of young guys in the bench and, and fair play to them, they were trying to make their way. The likes of Chong, Lingard, obviously, was was in and out. And and we, we'd said that it maybe at times wasn't fair that pressure was on these guys to deliver from the bench and, and that's just where the United found themselves. But when I rhyme off that bench there, there's not many teams in world football genuinely that, that, can, that, that can say they've got a better bench and better options than that. And again... That's another aspect of the play and the squad building that Solskjaer and the staff deserve immense credit for. Too many times in the Mourinho era, the Van Hal era, 
the starting eleven gave you a sense of relative contentness. But when you looked at the bench, you thought, right, we'll bring Fellaini on and lump it because we don't have much else. Now you've got plenty of options. You've got like-for-like like options if you want to try that, or you can completely change the system. And that's what all top managers want. And again, fair play to them for doing that. No, completely agree, Callum. And that's an important point because when you look back towards the end of last season, we had lost semi-finals. One of the issues was lack of depth on the bench. And for and, and Solskjaer delaying making game changes, making substitutions in games because he didn't trust what was coming off the bench. Well, he he deserves credit for being brave in his team selection against Liverpool. When he lost the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea, he was slaughtered because of the team that he picked. He picked an understrength team. If United lose that game against Liverpool yesterday, you can guarantee the Van der Beek inclusion would have been something that would that was heavily discussed. The Dean Henderson inclusion would have been something that was heavily discussed. They would have been turning around saying, once again, United picking a weird understrength team, uh, rotating and costing themselves. I didn't think he played Van der Beek in that game. I really didn't. I thought maybe he played them against Sheffield United. And I think the United will make some changes this week. But... His game management, this is something he was criticised for last season. But Liverpool bring on Manny for Ronaldo. And Solskjaer responds right, uh, by bringing on Fred and uh, Fernandes. That, those two changes win him the game. right? And so he deserves immense credit for the fact that he trusts his players, even if he rotates. He trusts the players coming off the bench. And the attitude that these players have shown coming off the bench just like we've talked about with Fernandez, who desperately doesn't want to be rested. He's one of those players that wants to play every week. Um, and the attitude of those players is so important, not just because uh, it's important that everyone plays together as a team and there's no individuals. Because if we go back to the past, one of the issues that United have had in the past was the mentality in the dressing room was a number of players that really played for themselves. And... That is no longer the case. Now you've got players that are all playing for each other. I think Fernandez deserves so much credit for the mentality switch that he brought to Old Trafford where it was win at all costs, improve, 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 improve. One of the things that used to frustrate me so much was when United players would put apologies on social media and say, we'll be better next week, we weren't good enough. No, no, no. You, you put it right this week. Right? Don't don't wait till next week. There's no reason. You, and so I just see so many of the, the issues that plagued United disappearing, improving and being eliminated and I've said this many, many times if you change Solskjaer's name to Pochettino the coverage would be completely different It would be and, and also as well and, and I hate to see any manager lose their job but I just want to make this point Frank Lampard leaves Chelsea today after a, a spend in the summer of well over £200 million and the likes of Paul Merson, Gary Neville and many others are in the media today saying Oh, he desperately needed more time and deserved mm-hmm. more time. How many opportunities, or how many of those same people, maybe Neville would write enough, but how many of those same people would have said Ollie needed more time had he been dismissed earlier in the season, particularly after the Champions League exit? I don't think you would have seen very many of them. And for me, that again highlights the disparity and the respect that's given to Ollie in comparison to other managers. And the reason I'm making this, this point is because Look at the, the, the Lampard's CV. He didn't get Derby promoted. He went into Chelsea. It wasn't questioned as, mm-hmm. oh, that's an embarrassing appointment. It was a club legend's coming back. Good young British manager deserves his chance. Now now he's gone and people can debate whether he deserves to or not. But the reason I wanted to bring that comparison around is 
is for me, it shows you how far United have come. Because last season, Chelsea were getting a lot of plaudits. They had this transfer ban. They got mm-hmm. to the cup final. Look at it 12 months on. And the, the, the contrast between both teams and both managers is, is, is sensational. And, and, and as I say, I think it will be interesting to see when the tide turns, when reality kicks in for certain certain people uh, in the written press. When when does Ollie get the credit he deserves? If United win the league, is it a false title? If United get <laughs> the cup final, is it a false final? Because that narrative can only go on for so long. So I personally hope they use that as motivation and as a sort of siege mentality. Not the Mourinho version where it's us against the world and you try and create World War 16. But I hope they use it as as the motivation to, to silence critics in a positive way. Look, you compare Kai Havertz to Bruno Fernandes. You compare Timo Werner to Edison Cavani. Right? There's been no comparison between the success of those players. Yet both those players cost a lot more. I mean, Kai Havertz cost a lot more than Bruno Fernandes. If Bruno Fernandes signs for Chelsea, um, Frank Lampard's still in a job. Now, if Cavani plays for Chelsea instead of Timo Werner, he's still in a job. Cavani is someone I'm falling in love with, I have to be honest. The way he <laughs> leads the line, right? his movement... One of the greatest treats you can get, mate, honestly, um, is watching Cavani when he doesn't have the ball. Watching his work ethic, watching his movement. What an example to Mason Greenwood. This is a high striker. This is a world-class striker. Not just on the pitch, how he leads his life off the pitch. Take a look at his reaction when Rashford scores. Oh, it's... <laughs> right? And that header hits the post. Mate, I, I, I couldn't be happier with him. And I want to see him start every week. And when United signed them, they were criticised. Here we go again, panic by all this nonsense. All this absolute nonsense. And see, I don't understand <clears throat> these stupid red lines that United are held to. Oh, because they're nice signing young players, that means they can't sign an Edison Cavani. Why not? Just because they are prioritising young players doesn't mean they can't sign an experienced 33-year-old striker. And by the way... You could see Cavani United for another couple of years, easily. Easily. You take a look at what is going on with, with Ibrahimovic. Why shouldn't he? You know? And here's a guy you never hear a peep about off the pitch. A model professional. Right? The only thing that's missing for me at United and missing at the weekend was fans. Right? To me, I cannot wait to fans are back in the stadium. Right? Because I think the atmosphere yesterday would have been incredible. Right, and this ridiculous statement from Gareth Roberts, and I know Gareth personally; he's a nice lad, and I couldn't disagree with him more about how United fans would be on Solskjaer's back. I mean, that it just displays an unbelievable ignorance about United fans and their love of what's going on with Solskjaer right now. It just was—it's just absolute nonsense. And to say that United wouldn't be benefiting from their supporters. Absolute nonsense. Solskjaer has also addressed United's home form. When I looked at it a couple of month, month or two ago, I thought to myself, if United can get their home form right during a title race, he's getting that home form right, Callum. The home form absolutely has, has been turned. I mean, you compare that to the, the Crystal Palace result at, yeah. at the start of the season when there was a lot of dismay. But but another thing that, that is, is vital if you want to challenge for any title is away form. And to be unbeaten in the league away from home is, is, nothing, is nothing short of extraordinary because every side who's won the title over the last couple of decades is normally, obviously Arsenal aside, of course, that season, it has normally come unstuck away from home in a tough game. 
um, especially over that Christmas period. But he's through that period. He's got United's home form back in and into touch, which was absolutely vital. And and you're right. I think the comment about United fans being on his back is completely misjudged. If you think about the support that David Moyes was given, even towards the end of his reign when things were really desperate, you think of that Fulham game. You think of some of the desperate mm-hmm. situations. United fans still backed him. Van Howe was back to the hilt. Mourinho towards the end, yes, it, it turned slightly, but I think a lot of the, the language used by the Portuguese manager helped that. But he was, again, United fans, one thing you cannot criticise United fans for, in my opinion, is not backing their managers. They always have backed their managers. Yes, if you look at social media presence, you might disagree with that. But social media is a very, very small <clears throat> part of the reality in, in, mm-hmm. in everyday life, never mind in the life of football. There's so many accounts out there who go against the grain to, to gain notoriety and to get recognised. You don't really see that on the terraces. You don't see that in the stand because the people that are there care for the club, just as you and I do, Phil. And and that doesn't mean to say you need to be a happy clapper and, 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 and say that United are the best team in the world when, when they are. We, we've criticised United on this show many times, and rightly so over the mm-hmm. last couple of years. But see now, when you're seeing a product on the park, it's what United should be when you're seeing experienced professionals like Cavani. I mean, Greenwood scores yesterday. Cavani goes straight over to him and he's talking. He's talking to mm-hmm. him after he scores the goal, giving him snippets of advice. There's no complacency. There's a drive. There's a determination. It's pleasing on the eye, and and I couldn't be happier because you're right when you talked about life post Ferguson. This feels like you, we. I don't mean United are back. The way Rio Ferdinand famously said, "I mean United are back." In an identity, an identity sense, easy for me to say. It's 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 pleasing to watch. It's pleasing to follow, and you just look forward to to the next game. You look forward to watching this team play. And you're right. If fans were in, I think you would only see an even better United. Imagine that United playing that level of football with seventy six thousand people behind them. That would be incredible. Made incredible. And again, you know, you go back to the city game in the League Cup. <clears throat> And you know, took a lot of criticism after that game. The criticism was, they're good, but they're not good enough. And they're not good enough against top teams, and they're out being outclassed against top teams. Certainly City were much better than them in that semi-final, right? But it's not terminal, they needed psychology. They didn't come away from that game terminally wounded, where you're going, I, I, I did worry about that. I'm like, my concern is that what will happen psychologically to the players is they will believe that too. They will believe that we're good, but we're not good enough against the top teams. Solskjaer, again, and United staff, again, deserve enormous credit from saying, look, you can lose a game, but make sure it's only one game. Make sure it's not two or three, okay? So that's what good teams do. That's what great teams do. Anybody, United lost under Ferguson too. Anybody can lose a game. But it's all about how you respond to that. I remember talking to Ronnie Mullenstein on the podcast about United losing 6-1 to City. And uh, he said it was important inside the club that we made that an incident, okay? Not indicative of anything. It was just a one-off. That will never happen again. How you respond to that? And he can edit one of the next three or four games in a row after that. So that is really, really important. And so it's good. That, but that's really hard to do. And that means that the players have to trust the manager. They have to trust who they're working for. You know, it, we, we talked about what well, the Solskjaer, the pulling part of bring players. Well, I think we know the answer to that. Manchester United do. This Manchester United is a club that players want to join. Okay, and you know, this summer, Callum, United's priority is a centre back. Right? They're going to they're look at uh, looking centre backs this summer. Um, probably see two or three, maybe, 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 maybe at, at at most, maybe a couple of other young players coming in. 
I look at that and I'm thinking, again, one of the things that's most pleasing to me is that when United identify a weakness now, they address it immediately. They don't wait two, three years. We need a left back, we haven't got one for three years. We need a right back, haven't got one for three years. People talking about Diogo Dallo should be back. Diogo Dallo, I think he started four games racing Milan up before the weekend this season. That that tells you that Diogo Dallo maybe just isn't good enough. I thought he was, I hoped he was. But we don't see these players week in, week out. We don't see them at training. We don't see all the things that goes on behind the scenes. Those are the reasons why players don't get picked. For me, I think you know, we'll probably look at a right back as well this summer. Um, to put pressure on Wan-Bissaka to improve him. Brandon Williams possibly leaving in January. West Ham looking at him. A couple of other clubs looking at him. Um, I, I think that those are positions that you need, do need alternatives in. Um, and, you know, Victor Lindelof, for me, was excellent on Anfield last week. Bit dodgy to me at the weekend. I thought he was poor for the first goal against Salah. Um, maybe falls asleep a bit. And maybe... When you when if you're splitting hers, you're looking at that going as quality centre back beside Maguire that has pace that is different from him. You know, to me, I think that, and and I, well, I can't remember the last time I looked at another team and thought, I really can't pick out too many major weaknesses. Maybe a centre back, but when was the last time you looked at another team and thought, maybe you need one or two? Normally, you're talking three or four, and it's just so encouraging. It is, it is encouraging, and you're right. I mean, you talked about three or four. I mean, how many times did we hear over the last three or four years in particular um, pundits on, on a variety of shows, and rightly so, given their results, I suppose, saying, well, United are six or seven top-quality <coughs> footballers short of challenging for a title, which is a, is a headline number. Now, you're right, you're talking one or two. In regards to a centre-back, I agree with you. For me, that needs to be a priority. I also want to, to praise Harry Maguire. I think he mm-hmm. was under intense scrutiny on and off the pitch at the start of the season, which again, talked about Luke Shaw, mentally would have hurt him. I remember when he was sent off for England, he looked like a lost soul and people said, right, this is the time to take him out of the team. Solskjaer and his staff played him against Newcastle, played him back into form, put the arm around him when they had to. And for me, his performances haven't been majorly questioned in, in a while now. And I'm glad because he is a quality centre-back if you play to his strengths. Now, again, you need to have pace around him because then you can push higher up the field. When you don't have pace around him, he can be exposed. He knows that. We know that. United know that, as you've said. Hence why they're looking at a centre-back option. For me, as well as a centre-back, I think if I was being... If I was being brutal I would want a top another top holding midfielder and not to say that not to say that Fred McTominay haven't come on because they have but I just think that would be another another secure piece in the United jigsaw for going forward I would renew Cavani for another year that goes without saying Mm -hmm. and hope he can continue to inspire the younger strikers like your Greenwood like your uh, Rashford and maybe even inspire Martial around them but as I say, for me, the centre-back is the main priority. But if we can get a top holder as well, I don't see too many weaknesses at all in that on that pitch. And and, and, and I have to say that that's the, what you and I and the United fans have wanted to be able to say for many years, and now we can say it. It's important that the, the club don't let up, even with an upturn in form. But to be honest, I think they've, they've, they've finally, finally woken up to that reality that even if you go on an eight-game winning run, it doesn't mean you're the best team in the world. You can always improve. And, and that's something that, that pleases me most because you cannot stand still. You have to build when you're strong. And if United have the end of the season that is, is there for them, it's there for them, only they 
can only they can mess it up in many regards. It's in their power. Then then why can't United go into this summer market? And I don't mean make a statement and, and sign unrealistic, outlandish targets, but make a statement in getting your, your top one or two targets for the key positions and, and build. Because if you can do that and you can do it early, I don't think that the other major players in the league and across Europe will be wanting to look at United and take them easily. I think they'll be looking saying, right, they've got their act together and it's going to be another tough season for us next season. And as a United fan and as a United observer, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Ahmed, and it's going to be a really interesting market. When you look at the January transfer window, it's almost like it didn't happen. Uh, I think 15 out of 20 clubs haven't bought a single player, which tells you that there's not a lot of money about, which tells you that this summer, if you've got money, you'll be able to sign players. Talk about Borussia Dortmund having £100 million losses and needing to sell Jadon Sancho this summer. I said last summer that they may regret not taking United's offer because that money, as, as what was almost predictable last summer, COVID's still going to be here for a while. So you're not going to have fans in stadiums for a while. All of a sudden, Jadon Sancho's value drops dramatically. And I, I just I look at that and think to myself, do United really need to spend? I think, again, if you're being overcritical, possibly another right-hand side player. If you have someone, top-class player, that could play in that position, okay, maybe. Right? Um, be interesting to see how Diallo develops over the next few months. But certainly, I wouldn't go out and pay £120 million for Jadon Sancho this summer, not in a million years. And um, can, I, can I just come in there, Phil, yep. briefly? How many times over the years have we heard the statement from United and other big clubs as well? Um, if if something comes up that interests us, we will make our move. And this summer, with the with the the situation looking as if it's going to be a buyer's market, United might finally be able to might be able to take advantage of that footballing cliche because players may become available at reduced rates, and a club that United have to take advantage of it. Well, I also believe that other than United, maybe City are the only other club in the Premier League. Chelsea might have some money, but Liverpool clearly don't. And I've spoke, I've spoke to people inside the game, mate, who have told me this, that Liverpool are partless. And, I, and, I, and when I look at that Liverpool team yesterday, the fact that they haven't gone out and signed anyone in January, I just wonder, when I look at that, if this decline continues, is this akin to Jordan, uh, 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 Jurgen Klopp's last season at Dortmund, where it just feels like he's exhausted that team, and he moves on. I, I, you know, I, I think it also shows how hard it is to win back-to-back titles, and how great Ferguson's success was at United, where he was winning back-to-back titles, and how difficult that is to do. Um, and I think that uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting landscape over this summer. And uh, you know, I think there's when we talk about what Solskjaer's done at United and improving certain players, we talk about Eric Bay. Eric Bay is showing the form he showed in his first season at Manchester United. This is the best Eric Bay we've seen since his first season. And we now look at Bay as another quality centre back with pace. His only criticism, if you want to say it, is he can be a bit rash sometimes. But Eric Bay in the last four to five weeks he's been worth for me at least six or seven points in it you know he has been such an important player so so good at what he does uh, so different to Lindelof and Maguire when teams have pace up front I can understand why he didn't play against Liverpool Firmino is someone that plays deep as a striker he's not going to kill you with pace so I can understand why Lindelof and Maguire start but anytime you got people up front like against Wolves that have got lightning pace you know, with Troy Ori, then you play someone like Bay, it's quick as centre back at the club. It's great to have that option. 
And I think once again, Bay has now forced himself into the thinking of he's supposedly going to be fit for Wednesday for Sheffield United. Forced himself into the reckoning as a, as a legitimate centre-back option, pressuring Lindelof and Maguire for that spot. And it's great to see. That is great to see. And it's, it's vital that you have competitions for places. I mean, I know we, we mentioned about the start of the show and, and I don't want to repeat myself too much, but you look at Tellez and the impact he's had on Shaw. You've got someone breathing down your neck day in, day out in the training on the training field, never mind in a match day. And for crucial positions like centre half, like for the full back areas, I think you need that. Look at Pep Guardiola's first season at Manchester City. Mm-hmm. He went out and bought four fullbacks, and they spent a lot of money in those fullbacks, and he reaped the rewards for the next two or three seasons. Now, as I say, I'm not wanting United to go out and, and be outlandish in the transfer market and buy for buying's sake. But when you look at Tellez's arrival, if you can replicate that on the right hand side with someone to push Juan Bissaka on, if you can get a top centre back in. To, to to play alongside Maguire for one, yes, but also potentially raise the game of Lindelof, raise the game of uh, Bay even further, and I th- and for me that has to be the aim. And I, I see it being, I see it being the reality. I don't see it just being a, a, an aim anymore. I see United being in a position of strength this summer and being able to sign a player or two, maybe three, a push that they really want. And that makes a big difference because you don't want to get down to third, fourth and fifth choices because that's when managers don't know whether they can trust players and things break down over time. So you, you're right that it's important that positions are outlined, which which is the case. You finish the season strongly and you build from there because the future is incredibly bright. If you... If you take the the sensible approach to strengthen when you're going well, and and I back them to do that, to be honest with you, for 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 the first time in many years, I feel confident, not overly confident, singing from the rooftops, confident, but confident in a in a sense of trust that they will get it right and they will continue to build on this, and it's a great opportunity. And you mentioned the financial reality reality for a Liverpool and Arsenal and clubs like that. For me, this you've got to take advantage of that. That's sport at any level. <laughs> Look at Leicester. All the big teams had a, a drop-off in the season they won the title, but they still had to take advantage of it. Nothing's ever given to you on a plate, and you have to make the most of any openings. This is the summer to do it, and as I say, I back them with the trust because I think they will. Another thing that I'm starting to really like <clears throat> this summer, this this January, we'll probably see Rojo leave. Uh, Lingard, we'll get them in a second. There's no consequences for failure in it. I almost feel like Solskjaer's addressing these needless contract extensions for players that aren't contributing. Uh, Phil Jones, we know. Um, you know, I, I, I have my doubts he'll ever play for Manchester United again. But now we see, okay, there's consequences for failure. If you don't perform, you aren't contributing, you will not be at this football club anymore. So I think that it's good to see the likes of Marcus Rojo, who contributes nothing. Right, who shouldn't be at the football club? You know, it, it will either cancel his contract if he doesn't get a, a move to Boca, uh, which it seems that he will get a move to Boca. That's a, the the, uh, the the discussion in the Argentinian media. They seem seem quite confident that will happen. Another player that um, uh, before, well, actually, let me talk to you about Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard looks like he's going to leave, and I really hope that lad leaves and finds peace and happiness in his life playing for a football club where he fa- he's happy playing for, he's appreciated by his supporters, because I think we all need to learn something from the Jesse Lingard experience. Look, it, it was juxtaposed, what two stupid videos that he was uploading juxtaposed that Tim Nett weren't playing well, which increased the anger towards him. But it's not a hanging offence. And we look at a lot of the criticism that was levelled at Jesse Lingard, and some people need to take it into consideration. He's a human being. 
It doesn't matter, like you said, how much money someone's making. He's a human being. And that must be brutal for him and his family. Who We see Kepa at the weekend had to, 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 to shut his mountains down. Um, fans need to take into consideration that these people, just because they're professional footballers, doesn't mean they're mentally immune to all the abuse that comes their way. You know, and there's an incredibly tragic comment from Phil Jones about if he had a testimonial and his mum and dad would turn up. I, I just find that so incredibly sad. And I think that all of us need to look at our behaviour when it comes to stuff like that and say, can we do better? You know, and realise there's a line. You know, you can criticise people, you can criticise players, but there's a line. And I just think that you have to think before you tweet abuse at someone and realise that, look, there, there's better ways of saying things. And I, I, I sincerely hope that Jesse Lingard finds peace and happiness. This is a kid that came through United's Academy. Um, he scored important goals for the football club. You know, he's not Maradona. But I think he deserved better from us. He does. And one of the points I want to make from first-hand experience of Jesse Lingard is I was down at the Watford game, um, Ollie's first uh, game in permanent charge after the, after the impressive caretaker spell and at the end of the game, there, there were fans gathered um, outside the entrance hoping for autographs. And, and obviously, I understand after the game, players are busy, so they've got places to be. Um, of course, it would be great if they could stop for absolutely everyone, but, but they are human beings, and, and you have to accept that and acknowledge that as well. But that guy, literally, and I'm not exaggerating this, he signed an autograph for every single person that was there. He was there for up to an hour after a game, signing autographs, speaking to fans. And and yes, you can argue you just won 2-0 against Watford. It's easy to do that. But not all players do that. Players mm-hmm. are, are very generous. We've, saw, we've seen that with Marcus Rashford. Uh, we've seen examples of it elsewhere. And, 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 and I do not dispute that. But in regards to the simple things in life, having a conversation, smiling at a fan, signing an autograph, not all, not all footballers um, maybe spend as much time as they themselves would like to. But that kid did it, and he did it for, as I say, an hour. He signed an autograph for everyone. He went right round the, the fencing and waited and waited and made sure everyone got an autograph or a photo that they wanted. And and to, to, when you think back to the FA Cup and how in, influential he was for Van Halen winning that, he, he will walk away from United with good personal memories. And I hope when he does walk away from United that fans can cherish those memories. Now, of course, post-Ferguson, he didn't get United to the heights they wanted to, but he still played a part in relative success when you consider the Europa League, when you consider the FA Cup. So I hope he's remembered for being a part of that success. And as you say, I completely echo your thoughts. I hope we can go somewhere. I hope we can play regularly. I hope we can fall back in love with the game and get his international career back up and running because he was a key player at the World Cup for his country and that's something as well that not every, every player can say they can do. So good luck to him and all the best for the future, Jesse. That's what I would say. I want to finish up on talking about Anthony Martial because very possible he'll play against Stefan on Wednesday with Marcus Rice for having a scan on his knee today and see what sort of damage there is. When we talk about consequences for failure, he's someone that springs to mind because he needs to find his form. He needs to find consistency. He needs to look like a player that's interested. I've always believed in Anthony Martial as someone that in the first 10 minutes convinces himself that it's okay to play bad this week. Next week will do. If he doesn't fancy if it's cold or whatever, because he sometimes just looks completely disinterested. Well, this is an anti team. He was left out at the weekend against Liverpool where 
hey, if you don't play well, you don't get in this team. You are not going to keep playing poorly and poorly and poorly and get new contract extensions. You need to contribute. So Anthony Martial has to look at this and think to himself, I need to start finding form. And if, again, he finds form, there's no reason why he shouldn't. Everyone else can find the, the, the best of themselves in this United team. This is a guy that needs to find the best of himself. At times last season, he was unplayable, magnificent. Hasn't been great this season. It's time for Anthony Martial to start finding his form, to start contributing as a forward, start scoring the goals that we know he's capable of, and start scoring with regularity. If we get a strong second half of the season from him, like we got with Mason Greenwood last season where he scored 17, 18 goals, again, that's another encouraging sign why I feel like you needed very serious uh, title challengers. It's time for Anthony Martial to perform. If he doesn't perform, Callum, then I think that you could be looking at Anthony Martial maybe in his last six months at United. I think he could be. And, and, and that's the that's the sign of a good team where if you don't play well, as you've said, you go. Just a quick point, Rojo and Lingard leaving. The the, the person I'm glad for most in all of that is, is my fellow Scotsman, Jim White, because if they hadn't left, he'd be crying into his cornflakes because this January's been, <laughs> been a damn squib for him and his colleagues. So uh, at least that keeps Jim talking about something for another couple of months. But in all seriousness, with Martial... Um, I think you're right. I think this could be his last six months. But again, what 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 makes me smile about football is the fact that it's in his power. He can change that. And over these next six months, if I was so scared, I would put, I would throw the gauntlet to him and say, if you don't perform to the level that you do, we might need to have a chat in the summer about where you go next. Yep. Because if you throw that gauntlet to him, only he only he can 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 give you the answers on the pitch that determine whether he stays or goes. And he's a player with bags of potential, bags of ability, attributes that most players in the Premier League would would absolutely um, be desperate to have. So I hope he can show them on a more consistent basis. But crucially, crucially with Martial, and I don't want to be too critical, if he shows it over the next six months and he stays for another full season next year, he has to maintain that consistency. Yeah. I know it's easier said than done, but we can't see another six months of switching the form on to going back to play a week, not play a week. We need to see it on a more consistent basis, particularly at his age, because the, the, the ability's there and it's time to make that potential reality because potential, as you know, Phil, is the most dangerous word in football. How many times have we heard that so-and-so has had potential? You put too much faith in them and then you fall behind. So he needs to make that potential a reality. Now's the time to do it. And I agree, if you don't do it now, then I, I would move you on. Um, because at the end of the day United can't wait for anyone completely completely agree Calm, we'll go ahead and leave it there mate thank you so much for taking the time to do this uh, don't forget to check out this guy's podcast at Football CFB fantastic content really really worth it, uh, subscribing and checking him out uh, I'll be back on Friday with Luke Shaw looking forward to chatting with him and discussing his complete renaissance his, his rebirth really looking forward to that Thank you so much, folks, for all the downloads, subscribers, and all that there. Very, very much appreciated. And I wish you all the very best. I hope you're doing well. Callum, all the best, mate. Thank you. All the best. And thank you to the listeners for the kind messages and, and emails that you've sent me for being on the show. I owe a huge amount of gratitude to Phil for the platform. And make sure you tune in this Friday, because if there's any interviewer that's <laughs> going to get Luke Shaw to open up and, and talk to you the way you want to hear as a fan, it's Phil. So thank you very much. Right, you're so kind. Thanks, mate. Cheers, folks. All the best. Bye.